everybody. Happy Friday. It's Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590. The Fan. Blake Murphy is in Montreal eating uh, some smoked meat, getting ready for the Elimination Chamber. Well, watching the Elimination Chamber, he will not enter the Elimination Chamber. I'm Ben, I'm ben Ennis. That's my name. It's Friday. Um, Sam McKee of Real Kipper and Born and Leafs Talk. Hey, and buddy. one of the golf guys kind enough to hang around for the first segment. How's so it going, a, buddy? It's a wrestling thing that he's doing? Yeah, Elimination Chamber. It's where they eliminate people inside a chamber. Um, I, did a, I did a Royal Rumble party with our boy Bonk. Oh, yeah? How'd that go? I saw a picture of him. He was wearing or was not wearing a shirt. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's Tuesday afternoon for him. But that's it true. was, uh, the Royal Rumble was horrible. Mm-hmm. It was really not compelling at all. Just pretty bad. But then later that night, we put on the 2001 Royal Rumble, and that was electrifying. Well, and I, I don't know if you're, if you're anything like me. You don't have, like, an institutional knowledge of wrestling. So it was no, new to you. No, I had no idea. It's and new it was, to you. It was like, oh, my God, The Rock and Stone Cold. Who wins? It was incredible. That's, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that was that. You, you just, I mean, you just rocked my world there because I was going to pay the 60 bucks to, to do a Royal Rumble party with my kids, which yeah. I have done before, and it's yeah. late, and it's... yeah. yeah. Or, sucks. you know, or replay sucks. it the next morning or whatever. I'm so stupid that I didn't think of this idea. <laughs> like, obviously, just go back, get the... You could start at the first one and you can go all the yeah. way through. We listen. could have, like, a whole month of Royal Rumble yes. parties, me and my kids. <laughs> and there's no stars now. Like, I'm like, who is this? Like, who is that? And the old one, it's like, stud, stud, yeah. star. And then the classic jobbers are way better. But anyways, mm. everything was better in 2001, I guess. Yeah, Sami Zayn is a Canadian guy. He's from Montreal. <laughs> He's, like, headlining this Elimination oh, Chamber. Wow, I, I learned cool. this. Blake wrote, like, 8,000 words about Elimination Chamber on sportsnet.ca. Good for him. Which you read. I've got about four words on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. you, know, you know what I can do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-rack all those uh, Royal Rumbles, and I'm going to eat my Taste of the Masters hosting kit. Did you see me tweet this out? No. This is a thing that exists. This is $175 mm. available on masters.com. You get 24 ounces of the egg salad. You get 24 ounces of the pimento cheese. You get 24 ounces of the pork barbecue. Six bags of uh, plain potato chips. Six bags of barbecue potato chips. 12 cookies. Masters branded souvenir cups. Sleeve of 25. Masters branded wax paper, which, okay, it's <laughs> sleeve of 12. Uh, Masters coasters, pack of 12. Hosting kit materials, which nice. I don't know what that is. Maybe uh, like a tablecloth. Yeah, bread and buns, though, not included. $175, and, and people are on me uh, because, they're like, hey, who, who would want, you know, egg salad traveling from Augusta to your hometown? To which I say, I don't even know if I'd eat this stuff. Like, the idea of just pouring everything out and having the Masters branded, like, yeah. Tupperware yeah. and more cups. Yeah. 175 that seems like a deal. I guess they're kind of... Staying in because it's all cheap there, right? Like, oh, yeah, everything that you do. I lost the lottery for the hundredth straight year this year. I'm not in, yeah. So, uh, I, well, I won it twice, yeah. I know, I've, long I've time heard, listeners know. I've, I've heard that you've won it twice, but I would think it's worth it, like you said, for just to get all the crap that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe eat the barbecue, but the well, egg salad traveling that far yeah. seems a little <laughs> well, <when laughs> sounds I, like a rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> when I was there, yeah, I um, I imbibed a, a few beers, but like, I I had a few more because I wanted the cups. That's, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm going with is that I drank extra <laughs> beers to bring home as many cups as I could. And they, they, they've hung around. I went in 2017. There's yeah. some still in my rotation. I had, I had a cup of water out of one today. I should really be just trying to become like a golf writer too and just like Dude. get an accreditation. And like, I actually have 
a closer in to get to be able to play Augusta than a lot of people on earth. I should 100%. just like, be try. I should just try to get Adam Stanley's job. I well, guess. and yeah, Adam Stanley is down there for sports. And he's, this on, year. And he's a Netflix doc. Did you see that? I missed him in the Netflix. Uh, doc. Joel Damon comes off the course after he shoots one of the good rounds at the U S open and knuckles with Adam Stanley. Adam Stanley gives him a pat on the back. Oh, maybe I did the see The Stanimal that. just getting his, his big break yeah. in Netflix. Love I it. I mean, and there's nothing better than him winning the media lottery to get to play the yeah, thing on the Monday. And then birdieing 12 like a psycho. I know. I know. All right. Um, yeah, we are going to talk uh, some golf here. Mm. Um, because Tiger is sitting at the moment just outside the cut line. He's it's outside. Yeah, he's one over. It's, it's still at even par. Now, mm. I, I saw... I mean, there's still so many guys out there because we're, we're of course, we're talking about um, Pacific yeah. time zone. So there, the odds are actually that the cut will move to one over and he'll play the weekend. But that's besides the point almost mm-hmm. because he's not going to win. Nope. It's almost like better for his long-term future if he misses the cut. We got our thrill yesterday at the end of his round, the three straight birdies and, and everybody going nuts. And then today, honestly, I watched his whole round until I had to jump into the yep. car at like 1.30 and... That guy, nobody was hitting it better than Tiger Woods on the front nine today. Couldn't putt. He he missed four putts from inside 10 feet on the front nine. I know. And five overall inside 11 feet. He has no leg, right? He's <laughs> a bionic man. I, I was doing impressions of him walking around. He's not looking good. Yeah, I know. You look like Leaping Larry, maybe. <laughs> um, what, where are you with Tiger and, like, your level of encouragement? Because I mine is high. Because he said he can play. He just can't walk. I, I bought it. I am tortured. I will say that I have this thing I do with Tiger where I'm very sort of standoffish and protective where I don't want to get my hopes up. So I do the thing where I'm like, ah, you know, I, don't, I almost wish he wouldn't play. I almost wish he wouldn't he would retire so that he can just kind of, it's like I can move on so I don't have to think about this guy. Like I don't, I don't love watching him stink at golf. I don't love watching him. But he doesn't stink. You know, That's he the doesn't thing. stink. But I don't love watching him grind around and miss four footers, miss eight footers. And, well, you that's, know. But, but if you were like, if you were thinking of things that might have gone rusty for him yes. in the like months that he hasn't played competitive putting. golf, it would be the short game. It would be putting. Putting's very hard. Yeah, no kidding. Putting is very hard, especially on PGA, you know, greens. But I, as soon as he plays halfway decent, I am all the way back in. I watched that. Final uh, the first round yesterday, completely enthralled. Yes, and I have to admit to you in the audience, I was borderline emotional when he made the birdie. And you, and you see him and Justin, he's smiling at Justin. That yeah. smirk, that shot of them both there. It's like I am so back because I was talking to our media, our social media guy here, Devang, and I was belly aching to him about I wish how he would just you know quit. Like I don't want to watch this anymore. And then as soon as I'm tweeting, oh I'm emotional. He's like, oh Sam's back now. <laughs> yeah, I I don't wish for him to retire now if it was like painful if it was yeah the guy's struggling nah. and there were there were there's been moments throughout the the tiger saga remember when mm. he couldn't chip right like and he was Oof. just blading chips across yeah. greens and retiring mid uh mid yes. tournaments like that's bad i don't yeah. want to see that again but what i saw in the two rounds today and yesterday like i'm i'm totally fine with that um and it's i mean Listen, I'm a golf guy. You're a golf yes. guy. This is a big tournament, and this has the $20 million purse. It's one of the the glamour, prestige tournaments, apparently, on the PGA yep. Tour. My excitement level for this tournament, if Tiger's not there tomorrow and Sunday, drops by like 95%. Yeah, see, but I'm I'm completely different. I'm Yeah, but okay, so it doesn't drop at all? You're like more in? 
Honestly, part of me is. You're a sicko. You're, because, no, like, okay, you're sick. I got used to watching Tiger Woods uh-huh. win golf tournaments going away. That's why I love him. He hit me at the perfect time, just like all of us. Like, uh-huh. I was at the perfect age when he became a superstar. Were you a golf guy before that? So, like, before the 97 Masters, no. I was actually trying to think like, no, no, whether I was. Not. I remember, like, watching with my old man being like, this is the most boring thing. Like, that's why I love Tiger, because I'd be, like, watching with him. I'm like, this sucks. And then it's like this guy comes along who's way more electric than everyone else. I'm like, I kind of like him. And then that's how I kind of fell in love with him. But, like... Part of me just hopes that the cut stays where it is and he's not involved in the weekend because he just sucks up so much air. And it's like, I want this elevated events. These leaderboards are unbelievable. It's every star Mm -hmm. in the game and it's good enough for me without him. And I know there's a lot of people out there that probably wouldn't agree. I'm I'm the target audience. I'm a golf fan. I like it without him. And you're probably more on the right side of this. Mm -hmm. But it's just he sucks up so much oxygen when he's not going to win. And like, I don't. I got used to him winning. Like, I don't want to be, oh, my God, he made the cut. Thank God. It's like, I don't want to cheer for that. Well, you get the best of both worlds, though, if he had made the cut, like, on the number. Because yeah, he goes be out early. Yeah, yeah. And, I'll get <laughs> and then the game. real tournament and, starts. And guess what? I'll be on my computer <laughs> watching him play every shot. I, I'm a sicko, man. I, yeah. I'm stuck in my own mind. I don't know what to say. Yeah, his best shot, despite the fact that it is very hilly, has to be Augusta, right? Like, uh, Yeah, I just don't, like, I've never been there, but everything you hear from yeah. people who've been there, it's like, I've been it's there. Sh- I know, two times. I've been Shockingly there. hilly. Like, doesn't show how hilly it is on TV. Riviera's super hilly, though, too. I mean, you see him go down the the hill on one and then up the hill, of course, on 18, the famous hole. I love Riviera. That is on the... You think they're listening? Think they're going to let you play as one of the golf guys? Maybe, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll just let me out there. But no, I just... Of all the courses on tour, it's one of my favorites. But I just... I look at these golf events, like, all these events now with all these stars. I, I can't help but think that Liv was the best thing that ever happened to these PGA Tour guys. Yeah, I'm with you. As long as those guys, the DJs, they're not the, go- these guys, no one else is going. It's over now. Oh yeah, it is. No, and and yeah, you know, I was talking to Dylan Detier yesterday. Yeah, we yeah. had him had him oh, on. One of the guys from Netflix. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's a great writer yeah. as well for for yeah. uh, Golf Magazine. Talking about how yeah, it's not only just dried up, but there's some guys now that are going over there for free just because they think they have a better shot with no cut uh, yes. and, and making some money. Yeah, no, there's the that's it. Mito Pereira. Um, he was the guy that, that left most mm-hmm. recently. No, they're not grabbing more guys. And I will say, I, I agree with you in that it's made tournaments like this a little bit more exciting because of the added purse. And be nice, for, you know, the Canadian Open one of these years to be one of those rotated ones. Sucks. That well, they, they chose RBC Heritage over over the Canadian Open, which is a, which is a kick in the you know what. Stance, yeah, but. and and you would probably, I mean, the Canadian Opens part of the schedule makes it difficult yes. to make it one of those elevated for events. Sure. Yeah. Um, but is I, I'm fine with live you know elevating these events and that's cool mm-hmm. as long as those guys the brooks kepkas the dustin johnson's who dustin johnson gets to play the masters forever mm-hmm. but like as long as they keep accumulating enough points to play the majors from here until eternity which is probably not going to be the case right like if they're if they're not playing anything that's recognized yeah, they're gonna be grinding in dubai to get these world ranking points to be able to get into these majors or or play super well at the majors right yeah, yeah they have to win the major basically mm-hmm. i listen i think the hatred, that seemingly real hatred between yeah. the live guys and the PGA Tour guys. Is, well, everybody and Patrick Reed. Yeah, I think, I <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just Patrick Reed, really, I guess. <laughs> no, but like Sergio's not well-liked. Yeah, like, I well, think, Sergio, And yeah. Phil and like all those guys well, meet the Masters, well, right? Like yes. they're all former champions. I yeah. think that having this little bit of tension, I mean, it's not like it's an NHL game where guys are fighting, but like mm, having great. any sort of tension and like drama 
just ads. Like it's like the you know I don't I'm not a wrestling guy. We we're talking about wrestling, but like WCW and WWF, these guys going <laughs> against each other. It's sick. Like I can't wait for the Masters just to have. Yep. Like, can you imagine a final pairing of Reed and Rory oh, on dude. Sunday? Like Amazing. it'd be the most. It'd be the highly most highly rated thing ever. I I love it. Yes, no, that that is the thing. And and Reed is a former champion. He gets yeah, to go play that. Play. And he's really good. Yeah, he is really good. You're right. Now you're selling me on the Masters. Like I was kind of almost out on the Masters and not. Oh, no yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough sell. It's like the greatest sporting event every year. Uh, so I was mentioning this to, to you, and we'll move on to Leafs in just a second. Yeah, yeah. But I was mentioning this to you uh, before we get we went on today that there's this report out of. Fire Pit Collective, which is the same group mm-hmm. of, of golf writers who had the initial Phil Mickelson quote. Oopsies. Yeah. So they're they're legit. Um, quote, I'm here this is Alan Shipnuck. I'm hearing a lot of rumblings that Brooks Kepka has mm-hmm. buyer's remorse. He took the money while his brittle body was still being put back together. <laughs> oh my god. And in private, <laughs> he has confided in folks he wasn't sure if he would ever get fully healthy again. But now Kepka is feeling frisky and supposedly rethinking his career choice. Mm. The guy has one of the biggest egos in golf, and as the PGA Tour creates ever-increasing buzz with its elevated events and even the state-sanctioned TGL, Kepka has to feel like he's on the outside looking in. I mean, man, you talk about, like, competing, like, WCW and WWF, like... There's been I I was gonna name a wrestler that went between no the two, idea. but I don't no, know. No, I don't but know there's one. definitely been one. <laughs> yeah. And if and if he's that guy, imagine that the the storyline of Brooks Kepka. You know, there is that Brooks Kepka's music, yes. and he steps onto the first <laughs> tee. Yeah, that Stone Cold has a glass <laughs> smash, right? Yeah. That's all I know. Two worst wrestling guys ever. Yeah. Uh, listen, I feel for Brooks Kepka because I watched the Netflix doc. I haven't finished the full thing, but I watched the I finished it. I watched the the Brooks Kepka one. And I thought so far, I'm on episode six. I thought that was the best one. I thought that was the most compelling one. I thought it was the most telling one in yeah. terms of he just thought, I think he thought he stunk. Like he was, you know what, buddy, I go to play golf. I play two bad rounds in a row. I never think I'm getting it back. That's Imagine right. at the professional level where you're playing against the best players in the world. And you win like four majors yes. in two years. You're like I am the greatest dude on earth. No <laughs> one's ever going to beat me. And then all of a sudden you can't make an eight footer. Yeah. It's like, well, there's all this money out there. You know what? If I never give it back, I have financial stability. I'm rich. I get to play golf still. There's not that much stakes. But now if you're watching this, you're watching this weekend at Riviera, you're watching last week at Waste Management, the stars, the crowds, it's got to be, you got to be sick that you left. Buddy, I don't know if you've checked out Brooks Kepka's Instagram page recently, but he had like a video of the the, the promotion for this upcoming Live Golf Tour. Which, by the way, I'm going to watch. Sure, but the commercial's embarrassing. Like, the idea that oh, this, buddy, this team every thing... cringe, everything that comes out of live is <laughs> capital C cringe. It's not good. <laughs> what is it? Like, the team names are... like what The are Yard we... Goats? Oh, uh, oh that yeah. was the one... No, the, the Crusher. Ra- no, the, the Range Goats, I <laughs> oh, think. Oh, what did I say? You said Yard Goats. <laughs> Isn't that Wilner's baseball team? Yeah, possibly. Hey, anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all embarrassing. Um... The, the golfers are great, and the, some of them are still relevant. Yeah. Like, Cam Smith is there. He's, yeah. like, he's yeah. still in his 20s, and yeah. Brooks Kepka. Like, these guys are still relevant players, and once they get back to the majors, they'll be Good. in the mix. Yeah. I don't know how you can watch it in this country, though. That's kind of a... CHDH. Okay. They, it's they, on TV. Okay, so yes. they, they have the rights? Yes. All right, okay. And, they, and, they've, and they were smart because they scheduled it not against the elevated events, right? Right. Like they're starting when the PGA Tour is not having elevated events next mm-hmm. weekend which I think is really smart. And listen, I'm going to check it out. I'm interested. I'm a golf fan. Yeah, I want to course. see what it looks like. I want, like, 
it's corny. It's great. Hey, it's great for content. It's yeah. great to make fun of. It's great to watch and enjoy. Like I wasn't, I'm not even really against Liv. Like even from the start, like I hate the morals or whatever, but I always thought like another option mm-hmm. is somewhat interesting. And look what it's done for the PGA tour guys. Like yeah. it's, it's made them 10 times. Nick Taylor made 2 million bucks for second place last year, That's, last week. Like yeah. it's just, it's really taken the PGA to another level. So I was in on it. And by the way, I think the thing that would hate that would hurt these guys on live the most is that they just aren't missed at all. Yeah. You know, like they're watching these tournaments and it's just like, they're not mentioned. They're not relevant. No one cares. The PGA tour is as good as it's ever been. And they're just gone. And it just, no one cares. That's probably what kills them the most, honestly. Yeah. And yeah, it, cause they're you, all rich. You it, fo- yeah, I know they, they're all rich, but there's, I guess another level of rich. And for guys that are, I mean, it's their prime or maybe never really had a prime, like yeah. Ian Poulter. Yeah I, get, who, yeah, I get why Poulter did it. But, like, if you wanted to be a Ryder Cup captain, you dumbo, why'd you do that? Like, yeah. obviously, that was never going to be in the cards. No, it's not. But, yeah, the Kepkas of the world yeah. at the time, unless you believed, as it apparently is. Scotty was in to, his head. Hey, to, oh, my God. You're watching true. that documentary. He's like, I, he's like, I can't beat Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. He's like, oh. Yeah. Well, and thought that he would never get healthy again. Yeah. But, no, apparently. Anyways. Things are different. All right, Leafs. Because yes. uh, you're, you're part of a couple Many of Leafs different things. Leaf yes. shows. Real Kipper and Born and uh, Leafs Talk. Where was Born today? Was he on the show? No, he was on the show, but he was at home with a ailing child. Ah. Yes. Okay. All right. So Leafs, Habs tomorrow. It's the, mm. the Habs own the Leafs. Yes. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Who cares? Uh, trade deadline, yes. March 3rd. Okay. It really does feel like there's a couple of like very underwhelming moves that can be made that aren't necessarily needle movers unless you think like Gavrikov is is some sort of yeah. massive upgrade here and then there's Timo Meyer mm-hmm. who's going to command this astronomical price and a guy that's likely a rental unless you can figure out a way to recoup some assets by trading his restricted rights at the end of the season yeah. or you're able to sign him long term but then you're probably taking up you're, you're trading a, a piece of, yeah. of the core. Like, you know, Willie's up for a contract to July 1st. So is Matthews. Like, it's a complicated situation. What I'm surprised at, and, okay, this is, I'm not as deep into Leafs Twitter as you and, like, Bunkus <sighs> oh, yeah, are. Deep in there. But that there is some sort of reluctance by some for the general manager who could be on his way out giving up, like, a boatload of future assets. How would you feel yeah. if, if Kyle Dubas just says whatever it takes, like, I, I'll be the highest bidder. On Timo Meyer, the best asset out there, the guy that best fits this team. And I know it might hurt the next guy. Uh, if it's me, if they retain me and we win a couple of rounds and, and I get an extension, it'll hurt me maybe long term. But who cares? Like, we need that type of splashy move at this deadline. How would you feel if, if it was like nice and a first uh, for Timo Meyer? I think with the only guy that's out there, I guess outside of maybe Chikrin, but that doesn't seem realistic. None of these guys seem realistic to me. The only guy I would probably include Nyes for would be Timo Meyer. Yeah. But something we've been talking about on the show a lot is like, I watched Tampa a lot recently. I watched Boston a lot just to kind of get a feel like those two teams. So you're giving up already? I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. (laughs) But I honestly think the better move is to address the bottom six of your team. Because that's the biggest difference between you and Tampa. Well, uh, but aren't you kind of doing that? I, I mean, I but, guess. But you're just bumping down Kerfoot again? Yeah. Like, oh, great. Like, yeah. I, you know, and not to sound like Kipper here, but you need to get a couple guys that are mean in the bottom six that can go up against, you know, Ross Colton and Nemestikov and, you know, the other guys they have in that bottom six, like Perry, Belmar, all these guys that they bring in here. Nick Paul, big guys. I just, I think you don't try to go offense for offense with Tampa because that's already done. 
Yeah. The Leafs are already good offensively. The mm-hmm. Leafs have four of the really great players. Who, I know they haven't had great playoff no, no, performances. No, no, no. I was going to say they, they do have, yeah, they have a, a, a great, you know, Top six, definitely, yes. and, and top four yes. forwards. But, yes. like, goal scoring has been the issue I know. in the postseason for them. I know. But, I mean, it'd be nice. Like, every team that wins in the playoffs gets a contribution from their bottom six for a big goal here. And yeah. There. Look at the how Tampa won in game seven last yes. year. The Nick Paul scored the only two goals. Yes. So, I, I'm i very hesitant because, listen, there is a world, and I, not even the biggest Matthew Nyes guy, I would actually say I'm on the other side of it, that, like, the last year when he didn't come out kind of pissed me off, kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But... I think there is a world where he comes in and contributes. Sure. It's, and it's a lot of pressure. I understand that. But like, if you I think you need something closer to, uh, to a sure thing and not that anything's sure. a sure thing, but like you need something a little closer than a guy who's uh, dominating NCAA hockey. You're not putting him in the top six. Like yeah. you're putting him in as a guy that's going to play 10, 11 minutes a night, playing right. on your fourth line. And then you just go out and get two capable bodies in Ugh. the bottom six. Like, a, like you said, like the Lafferty or Ugh. one of these, like, I don't want, like, I, Timo Meyer is the only guy I'm going crazy for. I, I tell you, if, if I, and and maybe it's impossible because Kyle Dubas will not be given the opportunity to do this because he, he can't, he can't he, strip the cupboard. He's a cupboards. professional guy, Ben. He's going to be acting business as usual, whether he has a contract or not. I don't I, think it's I like, think so. it's not like 1975 but, where he's be like, no. Tra- burn the boats, trade yeah. everything. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, I would kind of to a degree, though, right? Like, dude, was it unprofessional of Alex Anthopoulos to trade away all the future assets yes. he did in 2015? Yes. I disagree. Well, I mean, they got, they won nothing. No, I I got it, but there were there were reasons to believe that team was a lot better than its 50 and 51 record, right? Yes, like he wasn't I he wasn't that. just throwing bad money after but the bad just, money. The Leafs are they're just the same team they were last year. They're very they're, very. I mean, they're less exciting than they were last year. Well, and and in, worse. in a good way, though, sort of, right? Yeah. Like defensively, the underlying stats would tell yeah. you that they've been real, real good sure. at 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 keeping yeah high danger shots away, and it's you know, and it's helped the goaltending. And he's been good in high danger opportunities. The goalie, yeah, Samsonov. So and well, and not not to rehash old results as well. Mm-hmm. They were just as good as the team that went to the Eastern or went to the Stanley Cup final last year and lost, you know, Game yeah. Seven by a goal and then went to overtime in in Game Six. I, if I I just put myself in Kyle Dubas's shoes, mm-hmm. who's yeah going to be remembered as one of the most disappointing executives in franchise history, and, which sucks because <laughs> he's built a perennial, well, you know, hundred and ten point team every year that just uh, hasn't yeah. got one bounce or one break in every playoff series. I agree with you, and yeah. I, I think there is there's an argument to be made that he should be extended no For matter sure. what the playoff result is. It's not going to happen, mm-hmm. pretty clearly. Yes, and your boy Kipper, like you know, Hell wrote an a, article. Yeah, and and wrote He's about those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wrote about kind of the, the breadcrumbs that yeah, led us yeah. here that like obviously yeah, yeah the there's writing's on the wall there's something there like it's not it's very weird for him to not have a contract yeah well and I just can't imagine if I were in that situation having a bullet in the chamber it's one thing to have like you know got a pop gun yes you, but there are there's like he has one piece. I, I've been playing some uh, GoldenEye with my kids. He's got like the rocket launchers, right? The, he's not quite the golden gun. But, <laughs> <laughs> but and not deciding to fire it yeah. and just hoping that, yeah, you can you can do well with uh, your, you know, gun with the silencer on it. I just really <laughs> I just hope if it does, if he does trade knives that. It's for, like, if it's for a Meyer, I will understand that. If That's the Chick- one. If it's Chikrin, I would do that, too. Yeah, but there's, there's been no reporting on... Well, it. he's been... The King's been hot after him. I don't know. Listen, these... 
I feel like I trust enough in Kyle Dubas and his team to find guys that aren't talked about. Like, look at what Labushkin gave him last year. They tra- mm. No one knew that name was out there. They got Timmons this year. Like, they can find these guys that they dig up that are capable guys. So I don't think it's going to be one of the big names that goes to lease. Like, I really think it's going to be something that kind of surprises. Like, I... So you, you're, you, you're, you're going to spend your your the one time you're going to trade a, a first round pick is for Nick Felino, who like I mean that it's hard you played to played that a hundred times. It, they couldn't have gone worse than it did the, exactly. That way. And but for that to be your only big swing, yeah, I know, I know. Listen, and he knows that it's his last year, and like there's no way that he's not like he can be as professional as you want. Like I said, but there's no way in the back of his mind where he's not like f it. Yeah, I'm I'm swinging for the fences. Oh, here. I would. I, uh, yeah, so would I, but I'm, you know, I'm not Kyle Dubas. So. <laughs> and you never like, will be. And a second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice hat, by the way. How, oh, do thank I, you. how do I get one of those real Kipper and Bourne Kipper, hats? Uh, Kipper just brought it out. <laughs> he like, made him himself? I don't know. It kind of looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sammy. No problem, buddy. What a blast. All right. Sammy Key. When we come back, uh, great Canadian guy, Ryan Dempster, World Series champion, Cubs broadcaster, joins me next. The fan drive time continues. I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590, the fan. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, very happy to be joined now by Ryan Dempster, World Series champion, Cubs broadcaster, Host of Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster. Uh, Ryan, thanks for doing this. Now, uh, spring training underway in both Florida and Arizona. I've been to the Grapefruit League. I've never been to the Cactus League before, but it kind of sounds like I need to go. There's something apparently called the Innings Festival where there's Green Day, Weezer, Eddie Vedder, and a a live taping of Off the Mound with you. That sounds amazing. It is an incredible weekend. Uh, you know, I, I've been a part of this festival since pretty much the beginning. We started doing off-the-mound shows there, and, um, you know, we got a, a nice baseball field set up with batting cages and pitching machines going and all kinds of stuff and interactive stuff for the fans. And then we put on a couple uh, late-night talk show formats with my band, The Hemispheres, my guys, and we bring guys out. We have guests like Peter Gammons and – Mike Cameron and Chris Chelios and Eddie Vedder is actually going to be a guest one day. We got uh, uh, Randy Johnson, Jake Peavy. So we have a blast and we sit down with these guys and tell stories and talk about their love of stuff off the field as well, music in particular. And uh, it's just a really good way to blend the two things together. And you, you said the lineup. I mean, to, to look at the the poster of my name with my show on with all these guys is pretty humbling. No, it's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I was going through some of the guests that you've had on, on your podcast before, and you don't have to go back too far to see Theo Epstein um, on there. Of course, a guy that you you worked under um, and and still know very well, and a guy that's kind of you know reemerged this off season. We haven't heard a ton from him. I know he did an MLB Network special, uh, kind of breaking down the new rules this year. Did did you know that this was something that he wanted to do to, 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 you know, you bring World Series titles to both the Red Sox and the Cubs breaking curses in two different places. Did you know that this would be his next move, like remaking Major League Baseball, trying to bring it back to relevancy? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I obviously we're really good friends. And so, um, you know, I knew that uh, it wouldn't be long when he was away, once he left, you know, being the president of the Cubs, that he would find himself, um, back into the game really quick. And he has such a love for the game of baseball. You know, he'll even say it, you know, part of the 
the world of analytics that he brought in full force to this game um, are kind of the things that they're trying to fix. You know, analytics at times will slow the game down, so how can we improve the pace of play? You know, right? It's fine if a game's four hours. We love baseball. Who doesn't want to watch baseball for four hours? The problem is is when, you know, it's, it's not a lot of action. So what can we do to promote action? And I think some of the things that are in place right now, uh, pitch clock, um, the bigger bases, obviously, for the stolen base, um, banning the shifts, different things that are just trying to bring the action, make it move, let's, let's keep it interactive. And, and um, you know, he's such a brilliant mind. The guy's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day um, for everything he's done in this game. And, and who knows where he ends up in the future. But right now he's, he's doing great things to try and help the game. No, I keep saying, like, they need to build a new wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. If he, like, brings baseball back to what it used to be, like, 20 years ago, like, if if, if everything they've done this offseason and continue to do under his stewardship returns baseball to, like, somewhere maybe on par with the NBA or, or, or the NFL, like, yeah, you don't bring World Series titles against to the Cubs and Red Sox and then have baseball be back and, and relevant and, and be anything sh- sh- like short of a, I don't know, a baseball God. Like he's, you're friends with him. That it, it, Does he worry about, or does he doesn't need to worry about, does he think about his legacy in this sport, in sports in general? Like it, it, how much of this is, hey, I've done those two things, those incredible things, but now I'm going to do something that's a, even above and beyond that. Yeah, I, I think there's like, you know, a, a feeling of understanding of, the importance and the impact that he can make in this game and, and knows that, um, you know, he, he, he's smart enough to know that he's been a part of some really incredible, um, you know, kind of uh, monumental things, right. Breaking two mm-hmm. massive curses. Um, but he also realizes that it's not just him, right. He puts together a good team. He listens to a lot of people um, and then makes decisions and, and um, you know, being a part of something, changing the game a little bit, but trying to change it for the right reasons. Um, like you said, to, to bring in or continue to grow the game in a direction that's positive. That's what you want. You want it to grow. You want kids at home to love it. You want people coming to the ballpark to love it. Um, not to be lulled to sleep because we haven't seen any action for 30 minutes. It's like, how do we keep things moving? And, um, you know, he just has a tremendous passion for the game. He loves to be a part of something and when he starts something and he, and he wants to see it through, I haven't seen anybody like this guy. He's extremely passionate. He's hardworking. Obviously you don't do what he has done without that. Um, and he, and he makes it, he challenges himself. And I think seeing something through is, is really important to him. And, and so far he's, you know, making a, making a mark and really trying to just make the game the best game that we're, we're, uh, we're seeing. And, and hopefully we get to that point where everybody's happy with it. Yeah, no, I'm really encouraged by the results uh, these rule changes have had in the minor leagues. I mean, the, the pitch clock especially, but it, it feels like so much of the changes are are going to be adjustments that pitchers have to make. Like, yeah, batters have to be, what, in the box with like eight seconds left, but it's 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 mostly about pitchers. And uh, here in Toronto, obviously, everybody worried about Kevin Gossman and, and, and the routine that he has with runners on base and and whether he's going to get called for a bunch of box early on in the season. Can you put yourself back in, in your pitching mind frame, how you would react to all the rule changes and specifically the pitch clock? I wouldn't have a problem with the pitch clock. You know, I'm not like a get off my lawn kind of guy. Like I don't go back, well, when I played, you know, yeah. but when I, when I came up in the league, I mean, if you want to go to baseball reference and look at some of my games, there's, there's a bunch in there that are, you know, two hours and less. Um, I liked action. I was the guy that I was the pitcher. The last outs made. I'm out on the mound. Let's go. 
like what are we what are we waiting for? I lo- I loved playing. I didn't want to wait around. I didn't. I loved you know the strikeout. Sure, I had a lot of them, but I I like contact. I like keeping my guys in the game. I, you know, I I just like those things. And so the pitch clock was not an issue for me. Um, the the bigger bases I'd have a little bit of a problem with because I want guys to be out by a half inch, not safe by a half inch. So. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a little one in the shift, you know, I, I, am a believer. Listen, I, I understand that the concept of it all. Cause if you look at, since people really started shifting on a full-time basis, teams around the league, the batting average has dropped mm-hmm. right now. That's a little bit blurry because also in that same time frame, teams paid for OPS. They don't pay for guys to hit 300. They pay for guys to have an OPS of 900 or 800 and higher, you know? So they want players to hit for power and doubles and drive runs in and hit home runs. So the players have shifted. There's, you know, people say, well, there's a shift. Just hit it the other way. Cool. I hit 320 with 120 singles. Nobody's signing me in the off season. Cause I don't have any power. Like it's all, it, it all flows. There's a little ebb and flow to it. Um, so I think it takes away a little bit of the strategy, but at the same time, it's going to highlight some second baseman with big, strong arms or a really good range. A guy like Nico Horner here in Chicago who has the ability to do that. If you're a second baseman, you know, it's going to rely on the player a little bit. Know, know where the pitch is going to be thrown. Taking that first step, who's the most ready, who's most present. So, you know, there's a couple things. But I love the pitch clock because there's nothing worse than the guy, you know, you got a guy on the other team and you're nicknaming him rain delay because yeah. it takes forever in between pitches. Yeah, that that's yeah. We don't need any more Steve Traxels. No, no offense, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's I, you know it's interesting to hear you talk about the shift stuff too because I I, I agree with you. I also think I, pitchers throw harder than ever, and it's it, you, man, you just tr- you're just trying to make contact any way you can. The idea that you're you're trying to guide a ball in in 2023 is probably unrealistic as well. And it kind of I I think there is a correlation to the pitch clock stuff and the 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 speed at which. You know, fastballs are flying because it's, again, faster than ever before. I mean, you played, um, and in your day and age, yeah, you weren't the only guy that kept the pace up. And, you know, you and Mark Burley, unfortunately, are retired. And Roy Halladay, same thing, guys that love to play quick, quick games and initiate contact. But do you, like, why do you think pitchers started taking longer? Is it because my, my brain goes to, well, it takes a lot of effort to throw a hundred, right? And that maybe that's part of it. Guys trying to recover a little bit more between pitches. Does do you, do you believe that has any credence? I, I completely agree with you. I think you know that that's part of it, right? We were taught to reserve, so you you just work quick and just work you know at a good pace, and then when you need a rare back and make that fastball have a little bit extra giddy up later in the game, you take a couple extra breaths off the mound, and now you go from ninety four to ninety six or ninety seven. Whereas now it's max effort on everything. I mean, how many more Instagram videos do I have to watch a kid saying new PR, personal best, 95 miles an hour. Cool. (laughs) You hit the back wall. It wasn't even a strike. That's what they want, right? We want velocity. We'll teach them how to throw strikes. It's hard to teach velocity. So all these kids, all the driveline, all these places they go, it's all about throwing harder. And then what happens, not just everybody throws hard. That's fine you're seeing a different arm. So like back in the day, a guy might see me three or four times in the game. Now it's two times through the lineup, maybe three if you're lucky. And then when you get to the bullpen, you're never seeing a reliever twice. Like mm-hmm. it's just, you're going to see one guy, that's it. And he's going to face probably three guys. And then the minute the lefty comes up to bat, here comes the lefty over here. There's a lot of that happening now. So you have everybody down the bullpen throws hard. Um, and, and it's harder, you know, it's harder to hit velocity. Very, very true. And when you combine the both, the way that guys hit nowadays 
with the way that guys throw nowadays, it's a recipe for a lot of keep away. I, you know, it's like there's no, when I say keep away, there's no balls in play. It's yeah. either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run, the three true outcomes. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, but you did sound a little bit like the get off my lawn guy. Like just just ahead. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, if I if I had to live in this era, everybody's always like, Well, he couldn't have played in this era. Hey man, the the good players they adapt. They they adapt to whatever era they're in. I just would have went to a few more camps to try and tag a few more miles an hour on there. Yeah, man, and it wasn't that long ago you were pitching for Team Canada six years ago, uh twenty seventeen. You're only forty five, you're a young guy. Like you you, you still throw it all? I, hey, Ernie Witt and I ran into each other at the winter meetings in December, and he said to me, he said, hey, Ryan, how's your arm feel? And I said, Ernie, listen, I don't know if you watched what happened last time I tried this, you know. I wasn't going to mention I, that. I, the, the bit, hey, I'll tell you what this, I, I said this to somebody the other day, and I'm going to have a, a proud moment right now. Mm-hmm. First of all, I was super proud to wear Team Canada across my chest, you know. I live in the United States, but I'm born and raised in Canada, and I my whole family's back there, and I had a chance as a junior to wear it. But what an honor and what a privilege for my kids to see that, you know, to know that that's where dad's from and um, and all those things. Um, and, and I, the last pitch, the last competitive pitch I threw prior to that was the end of game one of the World Series in 2013. Right. And the next any competitive inning I threw was a shutout inning against the Dominican Republic with seven all-stars on their team. So I was really proud. It sucked that the next inning got away from me, but mm-hmm. I, I thought, I think back to that, and I was like, my biggest regret is I should have looked at, at Denny and, and, and Ernie and said, hey, man, you might want to get somebody up and going right now because this ain't <laughs> going to last very much longer. But, you know, it was it was really, really fun to compete with those guys. And, you know, when I look at the list of the guys that are on there again, you know, I know that uh, there's nothing but great dudes who go out there and compete their tails off, and I hope they upset some people. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, no, and and it was a proud moment for all of us to to see you pitch for Team Canada in 2017. Um, but yeah, it it is kind of a listen. No offense to the guys that are are going this year, but it's it's disappointing to see some of the bigger names in Major League Baseball, including uh, Jameson Tyon, who who pitches for the Cubs. I know he just signed a big contract, and that and that's part of it. And I'm sure Ryan, you could you could speak to this that during your Major League Baseball playing career. There's a there's a real pull towards the team that is financially committed to you to 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 stay in camp with them and not play in the World Baseball Classic. Is 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 there a solution to this, or is this just like the nature of the game that there's there's no good way to do it, especially for pitchers who are, man, it's it's such a delicate thing to do, and and injuries are always right around the corner. Like, is there a solution? I think that I think that the biggest thing that is happening which i think is really good is there's a cohesiveness before it was the players went away to their team there wasn't much talk between you know teams and their and their country they're representing it's like there's a lot of questions there's a lot more um dialogue going on making sure guys programs are being kept up and those kind of things but you know i i don't know what what it what truly is really the solution to do it in the middle of the season but then you're shutting everybody else down mm-hmm. you know it's the risk you take and let's be honest okay the more i've learn from this is I've gone through both as a player playing it later on as a pitcher anytime you're throwing a baseball you're always one pitch away from yep. blowing out mm-hmm. so as long as you're ready and physically you take care of yourself you have to amp up a little bit be- before you're not throwing a ton of innings anyways then then it, the risk is the same as if you do it in the middle of the season the risk is in the same as if you do it in April it doesn't matter if you do it in August it's just a chance you're willing to take and that's you know, it's it's a pride thing. You're going out there and representing your country, and and so I think that that plays a big part in 
in, in it all. And guys are going to do what they want to do. Some guys feel like, you know, I, I signed a big deal. I shouldn't do that. I owe, I owe my new team. And I get that. I've mm. been that guy too. It's a big responsibility when you take on a big contract and guys are coming back from injury. Guys are battling through different things. So, you know, at the end of the day, whoever you have on your team, all nine guys out there are capable of beating the nine guys on the other team. It doesn't matter if you're all all-stars. Does it help? Sure. You look at Team USA roster, they're completely loaded. Does that help? Yeah. But it's a baseball game. It's a human versus a human, and you go out there, and all you got to do is execute. And I, I remember we saw that back, I think, that was, whatever that was, 06, Mike Johnson carving up guys for yep. Team USA. It doesn't matter, man. You got the ball out there. The starting pitching can dictate everything, and the guys coming in out of the bullpen, you can beat anybody on any given day. They're professional baseball players. There's not a lot of them out there. So you just got to believe. Yeah, oh, 100%. And it would be, yeah, very fitting for, for Canada to, to finally get through uh, one of these group stages with maybe not their best roster, but, yeah, plucky underdog um, status. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're talking about, how you know, maybe some nervous front offices, and I was going through some highlights of previous World Baseball Classics today. I can't imagine being some GMs of, of the Canadian players or the Mexican players in that 2013 brawl, man. Like, I, I know you were still playing then, and, yeah, you were you won a World Series title. Um, do you remember talking to those guys, texting with them after after what was just a, an absolutely – like, there's a lot of bench-clearing situations throughout the course of a Major League Baseball season. That was, that was a legit brawl, though, if you remember. Oh, it was – I mean, listen, I'm not for fighting in, in, in baseball. I just don't – think it's the place but if it's gonna happen yeah to watch the to watch the boys like clear the bench like it's like the 80 1980s <laughs> flyers you know like the broad street bullies yeah and they just went to town i was like what is this team thinking from mexico that they're gonna go against all these hockey players this is just a That's bad smart. idea right here and and they showed it man they bonded together and and you know like i mean you look at how well they played whether or not that moment like that you could see how tight that team was but um, yeah, I mean, it was just impressive to watch them uh, go to town like that. And, you know, you don't see that too much in international competition in a tournament like that. But you just when you're when your back's against the wall, um, you got to bow up. And those boys did that. Yeah, they absolutely did. Uh, before I let you go, looking at the schedule, because uh, it's totally different this year. Every team plays every team and uh, you play in every ballpark every two years. And in fact, the Cubs are in Toronto this year in August. What, what do you think of the, the new balance schedule? Yeah, you know, it is what it is, right? Like, um, it, it, it's it's fun for teams to be able to see teams go out there and for fans all around the league to see different players. And as players, I remember what that's like. You go somewhere that you don't normally go. Um, you know, going to Toronto is always a great one. A, great city, um, one of the best cities in the world. And then B, you know, playing at the Rogers Center and to go there and play against those guys as loaded as the Blue Jays are, that's going to be a great experience for all of them. And I know going there with Boston, how much fun it was to play there. So, um, it's just, you know, it's good. I, I would love it if you did like completely expand it. And then at the end of the season, all you did was play teams in your own division because yeah. that's what you want down the stretch. But Hey, uh, people be like, well, I didn't get to play, you know, so-and-so and we, we were relying on somebody else. Cool. But you did have games against them during, during the year. At some point, they all matter mm-hmm. every single game from, from March 30th, all the way to the end of the season, when they're in the regular season, they matter. doesn't matter when it is, but they all matter the same. So just go out there and, and win it. play whoever you want, when you want them. I, I love it, man. Gets a chance for everybody to see everybody. 100%. I, and now I'm, I'm thinking back on your career as well. I mean, spending your entire career in the National League before you, you played for the Rangers, played for the Red Sox. And not that, that Wrigley was, was a pitcher's 
uh, dream to, to pitch in. But yeah, you go from that division to the American League East. The Blue Jays have Chris Bassett, who's going from the NL East to, to the AL East. Do you remember how big a transition that was for, for a starting pitcher to, to go into the, well, one, the glamour division in all of baseball, but one with some pretty um, hitter-friendly ballparks and some big slugging teams? Yeah, I think, you know, like the, the unknown, right? Like you can have all the scouting reports you want. You can have all the video you want. But when you haven't faced those guys, it's like tough. I remember my, my first year in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Like I make my, you know, debut with the Florida Marlins. I come up and like, don't get me wrong. The Braves were, you know, the powerhouse. It was, they were good. Um, the the Mets were a pretty decent team. The Phillies were okay. The Expos were okay. But then all of a sudden you go play the 1998 Yankees and it's like, <laughs> holy cow, man. Like they were just loaded top to bottom, one through nine, like they were just stacked. And, and that's how the Red Sox were. And that's how their whole division was set up. So it, it was, it was the East used to be the big boy division. But as we see now in baseball, there's a little bit more parity. They're still really strong. They're still really good. Um, and, and But it, it is fun when you go match up against those guys. Uh, Ryan, uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we'll we'll have to talk okay. again soon throughout the uh, course of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got it, man. Go Canada. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. There is Ryan Dempster, pitch for Team Canada, the World Baseball Classic in 2017. Uh, Blue Jays play their first spring game a week from tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a little bit of chatter today out of Dunedin. It was Vlad's turn to be the guy that's like, I got to figure it out. This is a new year for me. Going to go back to being the best hitter in the American League like I was two years ago. I got it. I got to figure it out. And my, my normal reaction to that is, yeah, I mean, that's the narrative across 30 different camps in all of Major League Baseball for everybody that took a step back last year. And nobody's talking about Vlad being worthless a season ago, but we saw the peak of his powers is the best hitter in all of baseball. That's the point, though. He's done it before. He's had a 600 OPS or a 600 on-base percentage, uh, 400 on-base percentage in 2021. He took 86 walks in that runner-up MVP season in 2021. That was his screed today, that Vlad understands that the issue for him was trying too hard, was getting too aggressive, was being anxious, being antsy, and that veteran pitchers take advantage of young hitters who have that mentality. And we've seen it time and time again. That's honestly every time that Vlad has gone through a slump throughout the entirety of his major league career. And I, I talked about it right out of the gates when he had a 772 OPS at the age of 20 in 2019, that this is a guy who made his bones in the minor leagues by taking a ton of walks and then killing mistakes. And it's easy to say because I've, I've never done it at a major league level or even a minor league level, but that is the key to hitting. If you swing at everything, you're going to get yourself out. Even the best hitter in baseball, which Vlad, just on a, on a pure skill, bat-to-ball perspective, might be. He might be the best hitter in all of baseball. He's the only hitter like in the history of prospects that it was ever graded with an 80-hit tool. So he, he might just be the best hitter in baseball, which would... You know, explain the reason that he's able to, without any patience, still have an 818 OPS and hit 32 home runs. But if he can get back to to the near 100 walk form, if he feels like maybe he doesn't have to take the burden of the entire offense on his shoulders, 
yeah, the, the sky actually is the limit for him because we've seen it. He had 86 walks in 2021. He had a 401 on-base percentage, which led all of Major League Baseball. And guess what? They coincided with 48 home runs. Part of that was playing in some joke ballparks the Blue Jays played in in 2021 before um, arriving at Rogers Center by the end of the year. But, yeah, they, they didn't have different strike zones in Dunedin and in Buffalo in 2021. That That was all the same. Guy just, and anecdotally, you watched him two seasons ago, and he was a guy that was perfectly fine taking a breaking ball strike and getting himself back into like a 2-1, 3-1 count. We'll see if he's able to do that in 2023. Yesterday, the Canadian women took to the pitch in Florida and warmed up in jerseys that were turned inside out and purple in protest of their federation's refusal to cooperate with them as they look for equality with the men. Arash Madani was there for Sportsnet. This we uh, She Believes Cup continues in Florida. We'll talk to Arash next. Get his perspective. A guy that was at one of the more shocking scenes in uh, recent national sports history. As uh, the fan drive time continues, I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.